Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I am Jen Romolini. And Jen, how are you today? Oh, I'm full of fucking piss and vinegar today. I am sorry to come into the <laughs> come in like a bear on roller skates, but I am I am just full of it today. And also for the cursing this early in the podcast. But yeah, I'm full of piss and vinegar. I don't know. New 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 stage of, of 49. I don't I'm not 49 yet next month, but new stage of this age. I don't know. Full of piss and vinegar. How are you? Fine. I'm fine. I'm, you know, it's freezing here and I'm tired of the freezing. Um, but it is very pretty today. So that's nice. Do you still have snow? Mm, dirty snow. Oh, Little bits dirty. Of dirty snow. Oh, bitty, bitty, dirty snow. Gross. But, but I want to tell you about this crazy thing that's been happening to me and I'm going to the doctor about it okay. this week, but I keep waking up unable to breathe. Whoa. Which is Whoa. sleep apnea. I think I have sleep apnea. But it happens a couple times a week. I wake up and I'm not breathing. And every time it happens, I forget that it happened before and that it'll stop. But it is so fucking terrifying. Oh, my God, Kim. That is... I am so sorry that's happening to you. I am... Oh, I hate this. I know. I hate it for me. I hate it for me. My mom has sleep apnea. You end up having to sleep with some big like gas mask on your face. I've seen, I've seen the gas mask. I've seen it. I've seen it. Do you think that that's, do you think that that's what it is? Or do you think it's post-nasal drip? Does post-nasal drip make you wake up not breathing? Sometimes when I, or it makes you feel like you're choking. When you have really bad post-nasal drip, sometimes I will wake up like I can't breathe, like I'm choking because you're <laughs> so gross. Uh, it's not only gross, but I, I started out on such a bummer note. <laughs> 
we'll, we'll, we'll pull it together. We'll pull it together. At some point we'll pull it together. Anyway, just let me finish this thought. You could be, <laughs> you could be choking on snot, which is a thing I have to take. I have to take a decongestant before I go to bed because I wake up and feel like I'll, I'll like get upright because I can't breathe because yeah. I, I'm choking on, I'm choking on snot. So you could have that. <laughs> I could be, I could be choking on snot. Well, I would rather choke on snot because that would not require me um, wearing a big mask to bed. No, it would just reflect, just require a, a flow naze. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's just like how many things, how many gross things. Like the other night, I was like in bed with my heating pad and my mouth guard, and like <laughs> I don't know, I had some bombs on, and I was like, wow. I can't believe anybody sleeps with me every night. <laughs> no, that is that is my thought. Like that, you know, that there is only so sexy an apnea sleep mask could ever be. Oh but I agree with you about the other thing. Like how many new things are going to happen? And I think the answer is infinity. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I think it's just going to keep happening, new things. I mean, I watch my mom. I watch her friends. It just seems like it just keeps happening. Infinity. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> I thought that I had a bad week because my my boobs have somehow turned into rocks. I don't know what happened. And I went in and I was like, somebody, could you deal with the, like, the mammogram? I was like, just, I don't know. They're, they're just two painful boulders on my chest. Oh, I had to get a mammogram that way? And I, yes. And I had to get oh. a mammogram that way. And well, first they were like, well, if you're experiencing um, an incident, like a pain incident, we won't give you the mammogram because this is purely like a this is purely a preventative medicine. I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not experienced. Just give me the fucking mammogram. <laughs> and then I was just like Googling it, obviously. And like, uh, you know, breast pain could be breast cancer, you know, God forbid. And I don't want to get into this too much because it's super scary. But then if you go in the perimenopause forums, have you ever gone on a perimenopause forum? Because it is a wild <laughs> ass ride. <laughs> I would imagine that would be a wild ride. No, and like, I have not. The pain, the, the 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 breast boulders is apparently, according to these many, many, many women's stories, a totally normal thing that can just happen all of a sudden out of nowhere because it's a it's a hormone dysregulation thing, and it can happen if you're taking hormone replacement therapy, <laughs> and it can happen for a number of reasons. So you know, knocking all the wood, we'll see the results of my mammogram, which I got on Valentine's day. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, love for my boobs. Um, but yeah, shit just like, as soon as I think I'm making some progress in regulating this stage of life in my body, just something new pops the fuck up. Like, a, you know, a wrist that doesn't work, you know, Yep. Yep. A lower back that suddenly hurts really bad if you yeah. sleep in an, a strange bed, which yes. I did. I stayed in a hotel over the weekend. I woke up. I was like, oh, my back. No, a frozen shoulder, which is all. Just, yes, that's a thing. That's yes. a thing. No, I think the reason that I, I might be having like a severe also breast pain is because I watched two young children last week. And this is why God it's as hard for women. I think it's hard to have a young child when you are in your late forties. I had a young child in my late thirties and this shit, like kudos to everybody who does it. I watched a under two-year-old and a just five-year-old for four days. And I felt like I was hit by a truck at the end of it. 
I was just uh-huh. like this. It was my sister's kids and, and she needed to be out of town for a couple of days. And even just the mechanics of like, because when kids are under two, they are constantly trying to kill themselves. They're just <laughs> running and ramming, ramming into things and, and hitting their heads. And so you are just bent over all the time, like negotiating the wildness of this, this being's body and lifting them up and scooping them and keeping them from danger. And it is a fucking workout. And I forgot. And then also the sleep, the they, sleep, they, the sleep and at one point, my kid was with me too. So I was a single mom of three children, ages <laughs> 11, five, and under two. And I, like, the one kid goes down at 7.30, but then has like wake-ups in the middle of the night. But the 11-year-old has to talk to you about their feelings at 11.30. And you're oh, like, no. I'm going to die. This is how <laughs> I die. <laughs> so anyway, I say I really... Mothers, like mothers of many children, single mothers, we cannot give them enough, enough praise, enough support, enough anything. I looked like a wild woman by the end of that four days. Like, and my sister's two kids are blonde and look like me. Like they look more like me than my own. And people Mm -hmm. were just looking at me like with pity. (laughs) It's like, like I was just scrambling. It was very bad. Anyway. So that's my, I also think that that sort of destroyed my body this week. Yeah. Taking, nobody's ever trusted me to take care of a child overnight. Actually, that's not true. I've, I've, my nephews have had sleepovers with me when they were small, but um, yeah, you know, and I was, I was, there was some, there was a meme online this week about how like when a woman takes care of the kids, it's like her work. And when men do, they're being like, Mr. Mom and babysitting and things. And I would find that so infuriating. Yes. This again goes to my thing of like whenever men do shit like that is considered things that women do, it's like a dog playing a saxophone. We're all like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's amazing at it. It's true. If if the man cooks or something. Yes. Wow. He helps you so much. Yeah. No, it is kind of amazing how insanely gendered all of that still is. Still is. Still is no matter what. Um, My other big news of the week is I was diagnosed with ADHD. Listeners who have been DMing me, and there are many of you, (laughs) I thank you. All of your suspicions were correct. I found this to be very, very sad. I was very sad about this diagnosis. I was just like, fuck, what kind of student could I have possibly been? And how different may my life have been if I had known this when I was like, when I especially needed focus and attention, when I hadn't like figured out a way to like hobble through life, you know? But maybe, you know, you have a life that, um, like you had a life that was going down one path. And you abruptly changed that path in your life and really effectively did. And if you were diagnosed as ADHD, maybe you would have been like a perfectly good student in your world where you live, but you never would have felt that drive to leave. Possibly, possibly. Or maybe I just would have been smart and gone into some fucking smart profession, which is not, which is not all this like creative specialness, you know, like maybe what could have, maybe I could have been a physicist. I don't know. They seem like they have (laughs) chill lives. 
No, when I, <laughs> when I, um, cause I also suspect I have ADHD, as you know, I, f I feel fairly certain I do. And I think like, what would it have been like to be in a math or science class and kind of not just hear, but actually hear what the teachers were saying. Yes, like that, exactly. I, I could have, I could have, I, I agree with you. Like I could have become somebody, but in my case, like if they had found, and no offense to Houston, because I know it's a sophisticated city and that there's a lot that goes on there and it's great food and everything else, but it wasn't for me. If I had, if I, if they had figured that out for me earlier, I would have just stayed in Houston. Do you think though, I would have, it's not like I would, it's not like having more focus and thinking, actually not thinking I was stupid, which I have thought my whole life because I can't retain information. It takes me so long to read a book. I have to read the same page like four times to get it. I don't know if thinking that I was, let's just say average intelligence instead of feeling like the dumbass I always felt like, I don't know if that would have kept me in Philly. I don't think that that would have been yeah. like, oh, I'm smart. I'm going to stay here. Like, and no, no offense I'm to projecting. Philly. I love Philly. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, 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 really projecting because I'm thinking about what it was like for me when I was 16 and I was begging right. my mother to let me go to boarding school because I was a terrible student in Houston right. and I didn't fit in. And if I had made better grades and fit in better, I would just have never left Houston. I would have been content there. So I, don't I, am, I am projecting. I don't believe that about you. I don't believe it. But <laughs> possibly, possibly it is, you know, and whatever our lives unfold and all of the beautiful things I've had and all of the friendships I've had and just everything, the experiences, like the life, life unfolded the way it was supposed to unfold. But I really dealt with a lot of self-loathing because of feeling like I, I couldn't get things, you know? Me, me too. I know. And that sucks. But I wouldn't have met you. And I was thinking about this the other day. Today, when this episode comes out, will mark a year that we've been doing this together. Is that true? It is true. Is that true? That is it so is, awesome. It is so awesome. And I will say two things. You have you have been responsible for two huge pivots in my life, one of which I hated and which, one of which I loved. <laughs> you made me a fashion magazine editor, which I despised, <laughs> but you made me a podcast host, which I love. So aww, aww, as aww, that's always, so sweet. grateful for you. And I wouldn't have met you if I, if I had known I had ADHD. So <laughs> what else is going on? There we on? go. There that's all I was looking for. Now, I saw something interesting just this morning. Um, Emma Gannon, whose podcast you've been on. And who I love very great. much. Yes. She asked her followers on Instagram. She was like, we've heard a lot about what you, the advice you'd give yourself 30 years ago or 20 years ago, but what would you tell yourself, the you that's going to exist in 30 years? What would you tell them? I'm sorry about all the drinking. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, who knows? That's an impossible answer. Isn't that impossible to answer? Like, I, I did. I did answer. the best I could. I thought of an answer based on how I feel when I look at pictures of myself from 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, and. It's, it's, this is not like the entirety of the message I would send myself, but I would say to myself, like, you were beautiful. Yeah. You yeah. know, you were beautiful. Like, 
I look at pictures I thought were bad pictures of me 15 years ago. And I'm like, you were beautiful. Like, what were you sweating about? No, I, I, it's five years for me. And, you know, it's five years for me and I, I'm trying to stop it because I I do it now. And I realize that in five years from now, I'm going to look back at these pictures and be like, oh, you were beautiful. Like, I think that it's going to keep happening and keep happening, Mm -hmm. you know, because let's face it, this shit's slide in one way and it's not up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now here's another thing I want to talk about. Go. I, as, as you noted, and as we've discussed on the show, I've been growing my hair out a little to see how the gray looks. Yes. I made a decision. Tell me. I'm, I'm covering it up again. I'm going on Thursday. I can't even wait. I can't even wait. I'm just not ready. Hats off to everybody who does it. I think women can look fantastic with great hair. I just, I'm not ready. I'm going back in. I support your decision entirely. And I will (laughs) tell you, I've been discussing how I was not going to get any more injections. And also (laughs) on Thursday, I'm getting more Botox. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm just not ready. I'm not ready. I think there will be a moment when I'm ready to let my face do what it wants to do, but I'm not there yet. Yeah, I think it's okay. I think so it's tell okay. Me, tell me about the hair journey. Tell me more. What, what made you well, be like, I'm not ready? That I think just the way it looked on my face, <laughs> it's just that simple. Like how it, how it looked. I, and I just kept thinking like, you don't have to look old with gray hair. But right. gray hair is an age signifier. Yes. And, you know, the same way that, that people always check out a blonde, you know, mm-hmm. like reflexively. I think when they see gray hair, they reflexively think old. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I mean, I, it's almost my 58th birthday. In two years, I'll be 60. 60 seems to be the age that I keep thinking, like, I will become a responsible older person who takes care of themselves well. So maybe I'd do it then. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't think it has to, I don't think it has to, it doesn't, I don't know that it ages everyone, but I think that nope. these, anytime we have these blanket, these blanket statements for anybody, this, all of these decisions are so individual and so personal. Yeah. And so much goes into it. Right. And so we have these, like, that's why we can't have this toxic positivity, this rah-rah, this any sort of like blanket rules for getting older, for anything really. But since we're talking about getting older, for getting older, like here's the way to do it. This is what's going to make you feel good. Mm -hmm. This is it. It's just not true. Everybody is so different. This reminds me once of a piece I read. Remember when the Times Magazine years ago had, would alternate every week and it would be a his column and then a hers column? Yes, kind of. Do you remember this? Kind of. Well, this woman wrote a hers column about, this is related, about having cancer, getting breast cancer, Mm -hmm. and how she kept hearing from her friends about another person in her extended friend circle who played tennis when she was going through chemo and who didn't get any nausea. And, you know, just this person who was like the, 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 the sort of gold star cancer patient. And she was just like, I'm not going to be playing tennis. I got really sick. Right. And holding that up 
is 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 so harmful to people that that everybody should be able to go through a, a life threatening illness in the way this one woman was lucky enough to go through it. Totally, totally right. We can't judge ourselves from other people's experiences, but self presentation is so individual and you know from how we dress to what kind of makeup we put on to whether we choose to wear glasses or wear contacts to you know all of it these are all like aesthetic choices and i hate the idea that you're failing at aging if you're not fully accepting what's happening to your face right or to your hair or to whatever because that that's like a judgment and it's a it's like negative, like, oh, you have to feel like a failure because you're not ready to let your hair go gray. Or right. I have to feel like a failure because I really am just not. These fucking frown lines are deep and intense and I'm not ready to have them. I'm just I'm not, not into them. I'm not yeah. into them. I don't like the way they look. And if I didn't like the way a fucking shirt looked, I'd get rid of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it's it's it is all the judgment and it is all the like the right way to do this and there's no right way. It's just the way that's working for you and that makes you feel the best and cuz you're going to feel like shit anyway. It's like it reminds me of that piece I sent you this week um about the women who I think we're going to get to get have on the podcast um about oh, yeah. confidence culture. Yeah. And the whole idea of like you know, they they go on about the Dove ads, which I've always really hated and found super disingenuous and how, you know, and there was actually a scene in Euphoria, that terrifying show about teenagers where yeah. one of the girls who's bigger is being confronted by all these people saying, love yourself, love your body. And she's just like, this isn't real. Right, right, right. No, I mean, getting into body shit is a whole, a whole other, a whole other thing. I mean... I, I was I was looking at my I was I've been spending a lot of time thinking about my boobs, <laughs> and I was looking at them, and I'm like, they feel like boulders, but they look like sacks. <laughs> like what is <laughs> what happened to my? I had these boobs that I I told you I was like a a tit flasher my whole life. I loved <laughs> them. They don't even look recognizable to me anymore. Well, that's 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 because you fed a child with them. But you know what? I never fed a child with my boobs and they don't look so great. Yeah. I, like, I think... was always pretty I was yeah. always pretty pleased with like my breasts. I always thought that was like one, you know, one body part that I wouldn't change. Then I got breast cancer. Then I got like, you know, it's 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 not mangled, but you look a little different when you have yeah. breast cancer. But part of the thing that happened was the breast that got operated on has scar tissue in it mm -hmm. that has kept it really pert for some mm. reason. So my tits are like, my nipples are on two entirely different levels. <laughs> two entirely different levels. And I never, like, they were pert. They were pert for a really long time. And now I have to remember when I get out of the shower that I have to dry under them. Oh, God, yes. Like, that is new. This was, <laughs> this was never a thing. This was never a thing. Yes, yes. So really, it is like accepting what you can, fixing what you feel like fixing, like what, what what is within your means to fix. If you you know if that's how you want to spend your money, I am, I am, I am working the best I can to love, not even love, if just accept and be cool with 
aging. I am working the fucking best I can, but there's a lot happening at once. Oh my God. The new thing, <laughs> the new thing that I'm obsessed with is my hands. And you don't uh, have this because you don't have like super veiny hands. I don't have veiny hands, but I have pudgy little peasant paws. <laughs> I have, I, I, I come from peasant stock and I have peasant hands. I have you have looking, long you have long goyish hands. I I have lo I have longish hands, but they are very veiny. And I've looked up like, what do you do about veins in your hands? And it is gross. I do not recommend looking <laughs> up the fucking YouTube videos, which I watched like a dozen of them. They can inject. It's not even filler because if you get filler in your hands, it's temporary fix. They can inject a foam that like kills Ugh. these veins. It's so disgusting. And like, but at the end, she's got really nice hands. <laughs> I know. Well, hands are the giveaway. I remember going to a carnival in Sag Harbor one summer and there was an age guesser and the person was like, let me see your hands. That's how they guessed age. Oh, wow. Wow. Hands and necks, I guess. Accurately too. But this is another thing. If you watch Dolly Parton and Diane Keaton, like you can always tell a woman who's self-conscious about her hands as she gets older. Dolly Parton wears fingerless gloves in every interview, like mm -hmm. only so like her nails show. And Diane Keaton just straight up wears gloves all the time. And yeah. so it's just like, all right, well, that's one way to deal with it. Maybe I'm just going to come in with bedazzled gloves. <laughs> <laughs> that is one way. It reminds me of when I was a majorette in mm -hmm. high school, which I don't know that I've ever worked on here. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever mentioned that. Oh my when god. I was, go. <laughs> when I was in Houston, um, the year before I went away to boarding school, in a last ditch attempt to fit in somewhere, I became a majorette. This is insane. I'm sorry. I go went ahead. to Memorial High School. I was a Memorial Marquette. That's what we were called. We marched in halftime shows. We had chair routines. We had rifle routines. We had ladder routines. We had pom-pom routines. Oh my, my mom God. was like, and my mom, when I did it, my mom was like, I never thought I'd be related to somebody who did that. <laughs> anyway, which was sweet and supportive, but I've forgiven her. So anyway, we weren't allowed, if the team, if our team did something good while we yes. were watching, we were not allowed to clap. And you would get a demerit if you clapped. But we had these gloves that were called flash gloves, red on one side, white on the other. And we would just flash our hands back and forth. Yay. <laughs> I wish you guys could see this. I wish you guys could see me doing this. Yes. It's, it looks anyway. a lot like jazz hands. Go ahead. Anyway, yes. So fuck if I remember why I bring all this up. Oh, wait. Oh, because it made me think of the, of the, the gloves, um, flash the gloves, gloves. Yes, the flash, the flash gloves, gloves. that I'm going to start wearing flash gloves. But wait a second. What else did you wear? Besides, did you, was it like a, was it a cheerleader uniform? It was a majorette uniform, which okay. is distinct from a cheerleader uniform. It was like a mini skirt, <laughs> uh, like, a, you know, a red mini skirt. Um, we, a lot of the majorettes at other schools wore white boots, but we just wore sneakers. Okay. And, um, you know, a sleeveless white top and then a, you know, artfully tipped cowboy hat. I can't, I can't, I can't. I and can't. my mother, and there was a group picture with me in it. My mother was, and I was like, mom, throw it out. Just throw it out. Because, of course, once I went away to boarding school, I was a whole new person. I didn't want any reminder of this life. She's like, oh, come on, Kim, in 20 years, you'll think it was so funny. And I was like, I will never think it's funny. <laughs> throw it out. Wait. So no, there is no real evidence that this happened. 
Oh, but this it did. is that is a tragedy. That is a, actually <laughs> a great, great tragedy. <laughs> oh, I love this. I was in choir, but I was in choir because I want the choir. The choir at my school got to go on an annual trip, and it used to be every year until my year, they got to go to the Bahamas together. So it was all the juniors and seniors got to go to the Bahamas together. And the choir teacher, I could not sing, as we've discussed here. I still Mm -hmm. can't sing. She asked me to not sing. Like, she let me into (laughs) choir, but she asked me to lip sync. And my, and I, I really just wanted to be in it because I wanted to go to the Bahamas with all the boys and, you know, wear a bikini and whatever the fuck. And on my year, instead of going to the Bahamas, they went to um, historic Williamsburg. No. <laughs> yes. Not and it was the worst trip. But anyway, that was, that was the only, that's the only school activity I did. Now, since we're talking briefly about majorettes and things. Do I ask, did you watch the Super Bowl? No, I did not. I did not even know. I did not even know that Los Angeles had a football team. (laughs) And then then at one point I said to my husband, who used to write a column about the Bengals, weirdly enough, um, I was like, oh, hey, you know, your Bengals could bring it home tonight. And he was like, the Super Bowl's been over for two hours. That's why there were fireworks in the backyard. Los Angeles was in the Super Bowl and they won. (laughs) But tell me about it. Oh, well, no. I mean, I was thinking about this recently because, you know, I have this thing where I've never dated a man who didn't like sports. I have a slight and not like sports obsessed bro, but like I, 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 I don't entirely trust a man who doesn't like some sport. Wow. Okay. And Interesting. I don't know why that's highly gendered of mm-hmm. me to that's say. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Look, we all have our preferences. Who cares? But I think it goes back to like growing up in my house and having football on on the weekends and feeling kind of safe and comfortable at home with the sports game on. Because there's something about sports being on TV that I find highly comforting. I have the exact opposite, exact opposite about sports. Mm -hmm. And I have never dated a man who's into sports exactly for that reason. I find sports to be anxiety producing. It was a time Mm -hmm. when men would drink. And it was yeah. like, what What are they going to do once they've been drinking? The loudness, the cheering, the aggression, everything surrounding it for me growing up, because we had sports on all the time, every, all fucking, what is it? Four, four seasons, four sports, hockey, <laughs> football, basketball, and baseball. There was never not sports on in at least one TV in the house, maybe two loud drinking men, you know, making their man ass size cushions in the, you know, imprints <laughs> in the, in the cushions, like, just like the man folk doing the man things while the women did the other things. And I fucking hate every single thing about it. And that's so funny that they're a source of comfort for you. That is source of comfort. And, and I, I don't know, I don't like sports enough to watch them of my own volition ever, but if I have even a tiny investment in one of the teams, I find it exciting. But I agree with you about the anxiety. I once knew a guy who was such a big Knicks fan that in the last like two minutes of a playoff game, he went to the grocery store. Wow. 
because he just couldn't handle the stress. You know, I like I like basketball. I will say that. I could get into basketball, but I get a little too emotionally invested, especially all the college stuff when it's their last season and their last game and when they lose, it's just like, sorry losers, this is it for you. I really yeah, they're feel- still going to be making like 20 million dollars a year very soon. Maybe, not all of them. Not all of them, but many of them. I I don't know. I get I I I might be too much of like a just a sensitive flower to watch fucking sports. It's so gross. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Well, I'm with a, I'm with somebody who's such a big Philadelphia 76ers fan. Yeah, I mean that's that. And the... then we can stop. We can stop talking about sports right after this because I bet nobody's interested. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul and I were driving to Philadelphia on. Um, Thursday last week, and he was a stress case because a big trade was going to get announced or not get announced. Okay. And it got announced. We were in Gowanus. We had just started driving. He pulled over. He's like, you have to drive. I can't drive. (laughs) I have to be on my phone. This is too big. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, look, I understand the Sixers. The first poem I ever wrote was a haiku about Dr. J. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's awesome. I'm not kidding. And I I mean, we were – the Sixers were such a big deal growing up. And I – you know, my dad and we were obsessed. And I went to a couple of games and the Celtics and Larry Bird. And, you know, if you're in Philly and you don't like the Sixers, I don't really know who you are. But it's (laughs) a – I, I get that. I can get that. I don't want, just like this is why I don't play video games or like want anyone, you know, want m- uh, to be with a man who plays video games. Anything that's like that obsessive, it yeah. always feels like weird to me and feels like uncomfortable, but like, fine. I don't really care. I mean, I'm not judging. It's just not for me. And it's, it's in my partnerships, it's not for me, but um, I, I get it. I, I I could see how you could get really into it. And look, there are much worse things that you could be fixated on than, than sports. And I'm, I'm, I'm hardly fixated. I mean, I, no. I, 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 I could not, I mean, I could not explain the rules of basketball. If I was, if I was forced at gunpoint to name one basketball rule. I could like, you know, throw out the collegiate three-point line and that would be about it. I wouldn't know anything else. Uh, well, dribbling, you have to always, always be dribbling. Okay. Listen, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to change topics into the sport that I am interested in actually that I'm fixated on, which is um, following Jennifer Lopez <laughs> and Ben Affleck's relationship. <laughs> You know that Jennifer Lopez was my least favorite celebrity I ever interviewed. I know that. And look, I got fired from Glamour magazine because of a whole J-Lo kerfuffle because she was lying about her age at the time, I think. Like, I don't know. I don't want to get sued. Mm -hmm. But I was a fact checker having to fact check a Jennifer Lopez story. And I think she was skimming off her age by a year or two. And it was a really hard fact to check. And- Anyway, I had to go back to the publicist a million times. And then the the research chief who was my boss wanted me to check one more fact, which was a stupid fact. And I was like, I cannot, I will not. And she was like, you must. And I said, I will not. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I said, you're fucking out of your mind. And lo and behold, I was fired from Glamour <laughs> Magazine. And then you hired me. So yay. Um, but Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, have life figured out in a way that I could not have seen coming, which is this. 
you fall in love with somebody when you're in your 20s. Okay. And you are like late twenties. Okay. So you're not totally a fuck up, but you're, you like have yourself together enough that you understand like love and you are soulmates and you're obsessed with each other. And let's say this is all in my mind and you're having great sex and everything's amazing. And you're just like, Whoa, this is the love of my life. And then instead of getting married then and having kids, you just are like, you know what? Nope. We're ending this now. You go off and do all the boring, awful shit with somebody else lesser. (laughs) This is a fucking genius plan, I'm telling you. You fucking are like, oh, swim lessons. Oh, does does the kid... Does the kid need a tutor? Oh, diapers. We're cleaning up shit. Oh, this is boring. I feel bad. You watched me be pregnant. Uh, Like the whole fucking thing. There's inequality here. Why can't you do this? Everything. Okay. 15 years of just garbage bullshit midlife living. You just do with somebody else like a spare, just like a boring ass spare. (laughs) You come back. 15 years later, and you run into the love of your life in a bar, and you're like, hey, guess what? (laughs) Let's start (laughs) fucking again. (laughs) It's time. It's time. And then you have this dream of you're half parenting because you have another you have another parent, so you only have your kids half the time. So half the time you're just you're just a fun person in this scenario. I'm just fun, Jen. I'm just fun, Jen. And then the other half of the time I'm with my kids, but half of the time I'm with the love of my life. They have perfected romance, in my opinion. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Somewhat accidentally, I think probably, but who knows? J-Lo is very smart. She's very calculating. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, Anyway, that's that's what I think we should all be aspiring to is just like the middleman or the middle person, the middle partner that you raise your kids with. And then, you know, you have to say to the love of your life, unfortunately, the one that got away, you have to be like, we're going to pause this shit. And then we're going to come, come back. later. You'll come back. We'll yeah. come back later. It's that's hilarious. It. That's my, that's my that's theory. Hilarious. I'm sticking to it. Take a quick break for some ads. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. 
You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule, essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25 percent off. And we're back. I watched last night, this is a little change of topic, but I watched last night Ali Wong's special comedy. New when Netflix she was special. pregnant? No, the, there's a new one that just came out this week. Oh. It is, I have not laughed that hard. I laughed until I was literally like choking. I was crying <laughs> and laughing. And I don't know if everybody's going to feel it because she's talking about, I mean, she's talking about so many things, but she's talking about like the inequities that we were just talking about, the gendered inequities of being a mother and, you know, being married and a long-term marriage. But she's also talking about the funniest thing I've ever heard, which is she understands why so many famous male comedians, um, why so many men want to become famous male comedians because fan pussy is like a delight, right? It's just like, <laughs> there are all these like young, impressionable women who are just like, I, I want to be here for you. I want to have sex with you. I want to, you know, give you fellatio. And then, but the comparison, she was like, fan dick is terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah, no shit. She was like, the men who watch me on stage and then want to have sex with me are the worst men. And she was talking about her DMs. And it was, I, I can't even, I recommend this special like so, so, so much. It's so, so, so good. Anyway, she's very funny and she's crude and she's angry and like, She's doing things outside of what uh, Kimberly Harrington says, women get to have two emotions, which are happy and grateful. Like that's all we <laughs> accept. And Ali Wong that's is funny. just like disgusting. And like, <laughs> it's a wonder to watch. I'm going to watch it. I loved her other, uh, her other special she did when she was pregnant. She oh, was just hilarious. She's so good. She's so, she might be my favorite female comedian, honestly. I think she's, she's, I mean, I'm, I'm partial to Wanda Sykes for other reasons. Yeah, I know. She's great. <laughs> She's great. Um, and you know what I want? You know what I want suddenly? What? Kind of a lot. What? Roller skates. I want roller skates. Roller skating is so fun. Before the pandemic, it's we were roller skating a lot. It's really fun. I remember. I remember roller skating. I mean, and I live near the park. I could like walk with my roller skates to the park and then skate around for a little while. Okay. You can do that. And I'm going to say this to you and I don't want it to be a buzzkill, but please get knee pads. <laughs> I will get knee pads. Believe me, I will get knee pads. I will wear a helmet. 
Yes. And like all the pads, wrist pads, because you fall a lot and it's easier in like a roller skating ring. There's a really good one here called Moonlight Moonlight Skating, I think. And it's very like it hasn't been changed since I think like the 80s. Oh, um, great. And that's really great. It's easier on a smooth surface because once you have a hill involved with roller skates. You're right. And there are hills in Prospect Park. Hill is Hill can be terrifying, but don't let it discourage you. Just like, you know, prepare for the worst and, ex- you know, expect the best, prepare for the worst. That's all we can ever do. That's, that's all we can ever do. Um, you know what I've been wanting a lot lately is loafers. Interesting. I'm Interesting. thinking I'm thinking I'm moving into my loafer and expensive silk scarf period. Interesting. This reminds me, speaking of moving into periods, <laughs> yes. um, I I was around some of Paul's students, these teenage kids, on the weekend. And one of them looked really cool. So I was like, hey, you look really cool today. And he's like, yeah, you look cool too. And I was like, come on, I don't look cool. And he's like, yeah, you look comfortable. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> And then I was like, what did you expect? That's just, oh my God. I know it was so perfect. He had no idea what a perfect diss it was. Oh, Poor it's kid. such a perfect diss. I did have a kid. I had a kid who was like canvassing by the farmer's market a couple weeks ago. Kind of give me like a chin nod a little bit and go, I like your fit. And I was like, oh, oh, thanks. And then I was like, oh, that's outfit. (laughs) That's what he meant. You're fit. I know. That's what they mean. That's that's what it is. You're fit. But it took me, um, it it took, I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. It took me like three blocks to be like, oh, I think he meant outfit. And then my child confirmed for me, yeah, idiot. (laughs) 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 That's what we call things. Oh, oh my god. god. I read today the most annoying thing I've ever read. I follow this this one newsletter and um anyway, I follow this one newsletter because you know I'm always trying to keep up on like the internet trends. What's what's happening because I'm starting to really find the internet to be confusing in a way I did I did not think of it before. Anyway, so I follow I I joined this newsletter called Embedded And today's was all about how the person writing it is scared to turn 30. I know, but wait, 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 wait. (laughs) So good. So apparently you're 30 or you look 30 has become an online insult. (laughs) Like like 30 is like the worst you could be. Um, It's not just used to invalidate their looks, but also their use of the internet. So this person is like, if you're, even if you're 25, you're now pushing 30 and people used to invalidate you if you're partying or what you're wearing or what you're doing, because you're almost at this horrific number of 30. Oh my God. And everyone quoted in this piece is talking about the horrors of turning 30. And I, if I could put like a bullhorn into this newsletter, if I could like insert myself (laughs) and be like, motherfuckers, you have no idea. Just you wait. Just you wait. Oh my god. Oh my god. I know it's adorable. It's so it's cute. Just adorable. I mean, think about who you were at 30 and what you looked like. 
like just- I remember very clearly. And I remember my boss at the time when I was 29, my boss at the time saying, I can't wait for you to turn 30. Like, I can't wait for you to become something approaching a grown up, oh, which by God. the way, I'm not sure ever really happened. No, definitely it, not. At no, 30. it didn't. It didn't happen. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing that's unpalatable to people is because I was also reading this this um, story in the Times Magazine over the weekend about some over 50 fashion influencer, and I'm forgetting the name, it doesn't matter. But the, the article was talking about how like, you know, at a certain point we trade in our dewy good looks for power and like, you know, confidence. And like, that's what makes you like amazing post 50. And that's what makes mm. people like look to you and aspire to be you. And what is unpalatable actually is an over 50 fuck up. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> nobody can accept that it didn't get any better. You didn't figure out adulthood anymore. And you're just like yeah. still here, still a fucking Gen X slacker, 50 years old. Yeah. Sorry. Say though, what came up about Gen X? Something came up about Gen X in the past week or so. What was it that just had me thinking? Like, I'm like, I I am technically the last year of the baby boom, mm. but I think I am I am like you know psychically Gen X. Totally. And I like being in this generation. I mean, I like being in this little fucked up kind of weird generation that everybody wants to discount. Oh, me too. Like of of the choices, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I, I feel right at home in it. And I know my, I see my people out there who are also in it, you know, but I I like it too. I think, was it, was it the Super Bowl? Was it the Super Bowl um, halftime? It was the halftime show, right? It was the halftime show because we were all like, finally something cool. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Like, the fact that I think this is cool means that I was young a long time ago. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I I mean, obviously I'm biased. I do think our generation is the coolest alive right now, except Gen Z. I do feel that. I, <laughs> I, I think that and I and I think Gen Xers raising Gen Zers with our sort of value system, such as it is is I see the Gen Zers and I I love them. I think they're so cool. So what I'm seeing in Gen Z from cuz I'm I'm around it. I'm in a middle school. I'm at a middle school every morning and every uh, five days a week in the mornings and the afternoons and then I have these children in my home on the weekends and I think they have good taste in music. I think mm-hmm. their style is cool. And you know, I do think they've lived through some shit. I think that they, you know, I think the fact that there's goddamn global warming and the pandemic and there's like a real cynicism in them the same way there was a cynicism in us. I really, Mm -hmm. I, I, I see a lot of parallels and, um, I don't know. I, I have no idea if I'm right about this at all, but I, I too really like being Gen X and being associated with Gen X things. It makes, it brings me a lot of comfort if we want to talk about comforts. Yeah. 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 I think I feel the same way. Yeah. I think I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, By the way, um, Jennifer Romolini did a very sweet thing and sent me a notebook and pen, beautiful notebook and beautiful pen. When I said I wanted to start doing morning pages and that the only thing standing between me and morning pages was a notebook. Um, 
which was super sweet. And now I know that there's way more standing between me and morning pages. <laughs> just way more. Look, I just wanted to take one initial roadblock out of your way. And now you can figure out the other stuff, right? That's well, <laughs> I'm figuring it out. It's happening. It doesn't happen every day. Doesn't always happen first thing in the morning. Not always three pages. So I am failing on certain fronts. But as far as creating a habit, I think it's helping. Yeah. Um, I mentioned to you before, and it's true, I didn't know how hard it would be to write three pages yeah. of something first thing in the morning. Yeah. I thought it would all just you know, my, my mind is always racing. So I thought it would just flow out of me. It's yeah. really hard. And I can see the ways in which it would help you be more creative for the remainder of your day. I, I, um, I, my, my practice, um, such as it was and how seriously I was taking it lasted eight days, <laughs> five. <laughs> I don't remember actually. Um, I, it was helpful-ish. It wasn't helpful enough for me to keep doing it. I have been trying a new thing because I was really writing from a place of softness and vulnerability and kind of like the pain cave. And I I think I'm shifting this week because I'm so fucking sick of myself. And now I'm just mm -hmm. writing from an angry place. I'm just like, I'm pissed off. I need to get this fucking work done. And I need to start writing all the time. I can't treat it preciously. I can't, I ha it just has to be a thing that like, I am just building brick by brick, like a fucking builder <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I'm just starting to write a little bit angry and I'm finding that that emotion is the most useful for writing quickly. I don't know if it's going to be so beautiful, but I can always edit it later. Well, you're a highly amusingly angry person. <laughs> like you always make it kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, that's part of like, don't let me take up too much space here. You know, mm -hmm, if, if, yeah. you're gonna, if you're going to have to listen to my anger, I got There's got to be something in it for you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it all comes back to having shit for self-esteem always, but I'm finding that anger works. So I don't know if you could, I don't know. Every time you're angry, I would say, write. That would be good. I Every time you're mad, just fucking write it down. What are you mad about? Describe it exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. I could do that. Now I told you this funny story, but I wanted to repeat it. Um, Please do. Because it had, had to do with conversation I had with my mother. Yes. Who I'm very close to and think I know reasonably well. Yes. And the other day we were talking and, you know, she grew up in Houston like I did. And she said when she was pregnant with me, she went to go see John F. Kennedy in a parade the day before he died in Dallas. That's crazy. I was like, Mom. How in the world have you not told me this story? This is like automatically one of your top 10 stories. I, I mean, did she take photographs of it? There, I doubt it. Is there, ugh, I want there to be photographic ev evidence of your entire life, basically. And I would like to look <laughs> through it. <laughs> That's so crazy. What did she remember from it? I think she just remembered standing by the side of the road and seeing him. And, you know, she was probably waving a little flag or something. I don't know. It just, I thought like that must have been like to have seen him, to, see, to have seen him 
the day before he died. Yeah. Like that, wouldn't that be a thing you'd mention? It just, I thought it was so amazing. Well, I would imagine it would be a thing that would really mess you up emotionally. Like imagine that, like I saw the last Tom Petty performance ever. Accidentally, I had bought these tickets on a whim and this is not, this is not Kennedy. It's not that big, but he died like two weeks later. And I think about this all the time, like, because I really love Tom Petty and Tom Petty got me through a very rough time in my life and it doesn't matter, but it really struck me that I saw his last performance ever. And I can't believe that your mother has not told you this because it seems like it would be a memory that would be very embedded in a way that kind of changes you a little bit. Yeah. I like, do you know how many people I've told the much, much more inferior story that I met Jonathan Larson the night he died? No, I didn't. And I didn't know that. You've never told me. I was not one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) I was on a date. I was on a date and we went to go see, he was from, my date was friends with him and we went to go see the invited dress rehearsal of of Rent. Mm. And he was sitting right behind us. And after the first half, my date said to him, oh, well, can't wait to come see it when it opens. And he's like, you're not staying for the second half? Because <sighs> it was long. It was like the pre-edited rent. Mm. And then my date called me in the morning and was like, why did you kill my friend? Wow. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. But that's, that's my story. And I tell everybody that story. So like how my mother hadn't told me, go figure. Go figure. Our mothers are, our mothers will be unknowable to us. I, I think that our mothers will never be fully knowable to us. That's that's what I think. No matter how close you are to a parent, I don't think you'll ever really know them because I don't think that's the nature of the relationship. No, I think there's all sorts of pain they don't share with you. Pain, joy, pleasure, all kinds of 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 things. Ah. Yeah. Oh. I figure I know her well enough. Yeah, no. Look, you are incredibly lucky that you have a that you have the relationship and connection you have with your mother. And I know you know that. Um, but like it's it's really it's a miracle to make it through a, a, a difficult childhood and come out the other side wanting to know a parent and then them showing up appropriately in your adulthood so that you can. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's somewhat of a, of a miracle. And you had a tough, you had a tough go. You guys all had a tough go. We all had a tough go. And then we all kind of came back yeah. and it's, and, and, you know, it is true. Like she, you know, and I, I have things I'll always be angry at her about always. Yeah. And, you know, but you do reach a point with your parents, hopefully where you're like, when they're, when they start being in their late seventies, early eighties, where you're just like, yeah, this person isn't changing. That's, that's, I think that that, like, yeah. And they become more of who they are the older they get. Like my mother has become more stubborn, and, stronger opinions. And learning to interact with people for who they really are and not a projection of an idea of who you think they are. Like mm-hmm. I had this, so I, you know, I stayed at my sister's all last week, basically, in my sister's perfect house that's perfectly clean, that's perfectly organized. She has a meal planner. My sister is a PhD. My sister is everybody's favorite, very admittedly. Like my mother will tell, told my friends in high school, oh, well, you know, Michelle's my favorite. 
Um, anyway. Um, and so my whole life I've had an image of my sister that I interact with and often at the expense of really interacting with her. So I spent this week like, you know, in her life, like taking care of her kids in her house, doing all of this stuff. And you know, feeling kind of like shit about myself, like feeling like I'm just a giant grown, uh, like adult <laughs> baby. <laughs> you know? And I left, um, I left on, uh, on Sunday and I called her later and her, her daughter had asked her to cut her hair, to give it a trim. And she had accidentally like cut the hair in a way that looked really crazy. She'd given her daughter a bad haircut. And I thought it was funny. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. And she just burst into tears. Aww. And she was like, I can't believe I fucked this up. I can't believe it. I like she was so much more upset than I would ever be about something like that. Cause I expect myself to fuck up all the time. Right. 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 So it changed in that moment. My relationship with her kind of changed because I was like, oh. You do all of these things to control because that's how you deal with your anxiety is by controlling everything. Like we all have ways that we're dealing with our pain, our bullshit, our whatever, and they might look different, but it's all just us trying to get through the pain of being alive, which is painful for everybody. And I, I had this moment where I was like, oh God, it's not fair that I put you up in this place where you're almost unreachable. You're almost inhuman and I can't know you and you can't be loved and supported by me. So it was a, it was a real moment for, Mm. for me with her. Um, and I came home to my house too. And I was like, this is just a weird house where weird people live. There's nothing bad about it. You know, like I was having like some moments of that. Well, I'm actually really glad to hear that because I, you and I communicated at one point before you had this large realization when I think you were feeling like my sister is a real adult and I am a faulty, you know, factory defective adult. And so I'm glad you had a little bit of, you know. Yeah. Because also there are strengths in the, there, there, there are, they're positives to being a fuck up, to be honest. <laughs> like, well, they're kind of are. They're yeah. kind of are. I think fuck ups are not inevitably, but often really self aware. Yeah. And also living on the, the dealing in the frequency of, of of dealing with your failures all the time, and just being like, oh shit, that again. It makes you much much more empathetic to other people's. Yep. Like I I. I like, I recognize other people's foibles and I love them for them, you know? And I don't know if I was really tightly wound, if I could, if I would have that generosity of spirit. So I don't know. That's, that's how I'm feeling now today. I think that's good. Yeah. And Jen, we made it through another episode. We made it through another episode. There it is. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms. It really makes a difference in helping people find us. If you want to support the show, uh, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We are on Instagram at EIF podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find Kim on her blog, girls of a certain age.com. And you can find me sometimes, I don't know when on tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.